Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So this week, we're, we're not doing a series. We're just going to do a standalone message. And the title of the, the series, I'm chuckling because I can kind of sense the tension is going to rise as soon as I say these two words. But the, the title of the message today is Eat Carefully. Now, before you decide like, oh my gosh, and you might be eating French fries right now or something like that, because we're not talking about physical food. We're not talking about anything along those lines. What we're talking about is what we're consuming internally. So don't worry that we're not, you know, launching some, you know, weight loss campaign or weight loss challenge at the end of, uh, at the end of this message or anything like that. We, what we are doing is we're going to be talking about the things that we allow in our hearts, our souls, our minds, our spirits um, during these crazy times that we're living in. So we're going to be reading uh, today out of the book of Jude. Now, last week we read out of the book of Philemon, and it was only a, it's a, it's a one-chapter book. It just have a few dozen verses in it, but it just has one chapter. And the name of that book, Philemon, was Paul writing to his friend named Philemon. The book that we're going to read out this week is a one-chapter book as well with just a few dozen verses, but it's the book of Jude. It's the next to the last book in the Bible in the New Testament right before Revelation. So it can be easy for you to find if you're going to look it up in your, in your Bible. And we're going to be just sharing a couple of verses out of there to get the message going. If you want to, you can go right now to rccphoenix.com, click the media link and download the notes and go through um, the notes and all the scriptures with us as we, um, as we progress to the message today. But we're going to um, start in the book of Jude. Now, Jude is the brother of Jesus. And if you're taking notes or if you've downloaded them, that's the first note right there for you, is that Jude is the brother of Jesus. And we're going to just pick up verses 3 and 4, and then we'll read a couple other throughout the chapter. So let's read these together, okay? So Jude chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to skip down to verses 12 and 13. When these people, the people who are giving this false teaching in the church, eat with you in your fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who only care for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have not been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. And then if you move ahead to verse 16, you'll see that Jude talks about these people who are teaching falsely, he talks about them and says that they are basically just looking for attention for themselves and not wanting to give it to Christ. 
So reading this, this book, and as I was kind of feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to kind of address this subject a few weeks ago, I was trying to find the right time and place to, um, to present this message, and I think this is the week. And this might be a little bit of different presentation for you. I would like to kind of, if I could create an atmosphere for all of us, if I could have my dream moment, we would all kind of pull up around a table, maybe around a dining table with a cup of coffee or, or a glass of water or whatever, and we would just kind of have a conversation. And the reason is, as I was reading Jude, I recognized something in, uh, that, that he's doing here, is he's wanting to talk about something specific. He's wanting to talk about salvation and the joy that that brings to all people. But he sees something. We don't know how he saw it. We don't know if it was evident in his church, uh, his body of, uh, his fellowship of believers that he was participating in. We don't know if he heard word from other churches that something was going on. But regardless how he heard it, Jude catches wind that there are false teachers going around and promulgating this false idea that is against Scripture. You know, one of the things that I wanted to, to, to attack today and kind of address today is this. In their day, you would have to physically go to the church, get invited for dinner, stay in the meal, and kind of make friends with people, and then start talking this false gospel directly to these people. But in our day and age right now, this false gospel can be spread like wildfire very quickly, not in just one church, but in many churches because of the platforms of media that are available to us. Now, especially during this time, I don't think there's any other time in human history that media has been consumed at the level it has been over these last couple months. With the coronavirus and, and you know, COVID-19 scares for people and they're, they're worried about their health, they're worried about their loved ones, they're, they're trying to stay safe. Some people or their jobs have relocated them um, to working at home. Some people lost their jobs entirely and are forced to be home. There are different government agencies that are promoting us and encouraging different cities and different states to stay home and kind of stay away from other people to try to slow the spread of the coronavirus. And what that's done is it's forced everyone to be at home, and that's been really good. But a byproduct of that is people are downloading and consuming more media now than any other time in human history. And when you dive into all of the stuff that we can find online and, and on television, on cable, if you still have cable, or <laughs> if you're one of those people, or if you just stream stuff from social media platforms or whatever, one of the things that you'll find, especially during this time of of turmoil, of hurt, of chaos. You'll find a lot of people yelling at each other, talking to each other um, that never would have had a conversation before. People are addressing others and giving them orders and commands. If you really believe you know, what you believe, you'll do this. And then somebody else yells, well, if you really believe this, you won't do any of that. And then all of these arguments and yelling and opinion just goes, on and on and on. I don't know about you, but for me, it can be wildly exhausting. Wildly exhausting. These people who want to try to promote their opinion and their viewpoint, eventually, when they hit all the people groups, they actually get down, some of them, to trying to instruct the church. They try to tell us, you should do this. If you're a church that um, really is about the gospel, you should preach on these things. And if you're not, then the people should leave. Somebody else says, you know, if you're a church who does believe in the gospel, you shouldn't preach about these things 
And if, you, if they do, then you should leave. And there's so much competing viewpoint back and forth. It can be very hard to discern who we're supposed to be listening to. One of my jobs as a, a pastor, um, and one of the, the main um, description of a pastor role, is that of an under-shepherd. If you're taking notes, it's the second line there in your notes. It's the under-shepherd. And an under-shepherd, uh, now, now let me explain what an under-shepherd is. There is a master shepherd for all of the people who call themselves Christians, all the believers in Christ. There is a master shepherd, and that is the Lord God Almighty. He's a shepherd over all the people who are in the congregation and the people who are in the pulpit and singing and leading and on staff and volunteering. He's a shepherd over all of them. But the role of the pastor is the under-shepherd, and the under-shepherd takes their direction from the lead shepherd, and they follow his instructions for his flock. They follow his instructions for his flock. You'll hear us here at Roots Community Church frequently say uh, this statement that RCC is not my church. Yes, me and Nina had the burden and, and planted the church in September of last year, but it is not our church. RCC is God's church. You'll hear us say this over and over again. Why? Is it because we're looking for a, a scapegoat in case things don't go right? We say, well, it's not my fault. You know, it's God's fault because it's his church. No, that's not it. Is it us kind of looking for a, a, a way out to say, well, if it didn't achieve the quote-unquote success that some people think that it should, that we kind of have a, a way out, kind of a cop-out back door to say, well, it's not me, it's God. Nope. The reason we continually say that is a reminder for everyone and including us of a very, very sobering truth. It's an acknowledgement that we are called that the people that we're called to lead as under-shepherds are not ours. They're God's. We cannot save people. We cannot forgive their sins. We cannot heal their infirmities. One of my jobs as a pastor is to make sure that everyone understands that you are His children. You are His sheep, His people. My job is to step in and, and to try, to, to, try to, to, to lead as best as I can from listening to him and reading his word and trying to have you connect directly to your shepherd. One of the things that I'm responsible to do every weekend and every pastor is responsible to do is make sure that we're teaching and preaching the gospel message correctly to God's people. We try to root ourselves of opinion, root ourselves of our own perspective, and come from the perspective of Scripture to make sure that we're teaching God's people God's Word. With all of the, the noise and all of the things and the opinions that are, that are coming at us, it can be very difficult for us to determine what should I be listening to? What should I be taking in to me? What should I be consuming? Part of the job as, 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 a, as a pastor and someone in this role is to make sure that what we're consuming as a church is actually fit to be consumed. If you could picture for a moment 
um, all of us maybe and going on a trip and, and to some place, you know, no virus, right? Because we can't really go anywhere right now. But the virus is over. We're we're or the, the the threat of it is over, and we're we're past a big portion of it, and we're in a market, and we're walking down this market, and there are all these people with food. Taste this. Try this. No, look at this right here. That's not good. This is good. That's not good. This is good. And just imagine just trying to walk all of us down this road, being bombarded by people saying, "Try this. Try this. Try this." It's a great picture of what we, we face when, we're, when our lives are so integrated with media. We, we have all of this stuff coming at us and we have to determine what am I going to consume. <clears throat> and one of the things I want us to do is eat carefully. You know, um, my nephew and my niece, uh, Troy and Silei, um, we have the joy of having them over at our home quite a bit. You can imagine that um, our, our child, Kobe, he's 19. And so when you enter a seven-year-old and a five-year-old into your normal routine of adults and a 19-year-old, that the house gets just a little bit louder when they walk in the door. There's a million questions. There's things that are spilled. And we love every minute of it. We love those two guys to death. But one of the things that they bring in uh, when they're, when they're uh, here with us and spending some, a few days with us or a week with us is our, our intake of cartoons goes through the roof, right? Because we're not really watching them until they get here. And the other day they were watching a cartoon and I saw this guy who was making hamburgers for all of his friends. Took real good care to, to put it right on the bun and create it just the right way. And he was feeding everyone. It was a lot of work for him to do that. And then the next day, someone, he came back to, to make hamburgers again and someone said, hey, you don't have to make these hamburgers anymore. And he said, wait a minute, what, I don't have to? He said, no, we have a machine that will make these hamburgers for you. So he thought, really? And they showed him a, a hamburger that was made by this machine, and it looked almost exactly like the one that he had been making by hand. He tasted it and said, man, it's got a little different taste to it, but yeah, it kind of tastes a lot, you know, a lot similar to the one that I make. And so he kind of accepted this new norm and like, man, this is great, and then... He asked a question, how was this hamburger made? And so he went into the back room and he saw to his, his uh, just unbelief, his shock and unbelief, this machine that was squirting this gray slop onto this conveyor belt. And the conveyor belt was rolling forward and this press would come in and push it down, push this slop down into a form and the shape of food, kind of like chicken McNuggets from McDonald's. And if you're a chicken McNugget maker, I'm sorry, but they shouldn't be gray, right? They should be kind of more flesh colored and white. But anyway, I, I, I don't want to get it off on that. But they, they press this, this slop into the form of a hamburger and they color it up and everything. And he realizes, oh my goodness, these guys aren't eating a burger. It looks like it. It looks like mine. They're eating slop. And so he goes out and looks at all of his friends who are eating these hamburgers and what they think is hamburgers. And they're just gunning them one after another just they're just keeping eating these things and he ran over to one of them and said hey look look at what you're eating and the person said what do you mean i'm eating a burger and he goes no look at it after you after you cut it or take a bite and he would take a bite and it would come back and just the middle of it wasn't the hamburger or the all beef patty special sauce lettuce cheese pickles onion on a sesame bun I don't know why I'm on McDonald's right now, but I'll get back on track here for you. But it's not all of these, these great ingredients right here for this hamburger. 
When they bit into it, they saw the slop and the glop and the, 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 the gray nastiness just fall out on the table. None of them noticed what they were consuming was slop until somebody said, look, look right here. There's something different about it. They didn't recognize it because they didn't take the time to look at or pay attention to what they were consuming. In a kind of roundabout way, I hate to draw the comparison of scripture of Jude to this, to this cartoon that my niece and nephew were watching, but the similar scenario exists here. People are not paying attention to what they're ingesting and what they're ingesting because they're not paying attention to it, to it, Jude stops here and says, hey, I want to talk about something else, but he raises the concern. There is false teaching that you are taking into you. And so he gives them a warning of what it looks like and what they need to do to prevent it. It's so important that this one chapter, 20 some verses, very short book of the Bible was entered into the canon forever for scripture. That is how important it is for us to realize what it is we're taking in and making sure that it's real, authentic word of God. So what I want to do here today is I want to give us a three-pronged tool. No, it's not a fork. All my eating analogies are just kind of rolling right out at the moment, but it's not a fork, right? But I want to take, give us a tool that has three prongs, and it's three questions that we should ask before we take in something for, from somebody else, before we, before we take into our heart, before we listen to and submit ourselves to someone's teaching. I know that there's a lot of opportunities to hear teachings from other places, and I do that my own self to keep, to keep myself encouraged and fed and growing along these lines. But we all have to, with all of the noise going on, I want to just pull up a chair real quick at the table and talk about three things that we can do, three questions that we can ask about what we're being fed. We have to, it's very important that we pay attention to what we're consuming. Number one, when we're watching somebody who's telling us what we should do or what we should believe or they're preaching or teaching God's word, we should ask this question. Are they teaching God's word? Do they teach God's word? Galatians chapter one, verses six through 10 says this. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. This is Paul talking to a church, one of the first churches in Galatia. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who are deliberately twisting the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we've said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be accursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. And I say amen to that, Paul. 
It's very important that when we're listening to teaching or hearing something that someone is presenting to us as believers in Christ uh, from God's Word, we need to make sure that it first and foremost really is from God's Word and not someone's opinion. Not what they think we should do, but what Scripture lines out for us to do. You know, it's unfortunate, but in our culture, many people are only pursuing ministers, teachers, and preachers who teach what they selfishly want to hear. Many people are only pursuing ministers, teachers, and preachers who teach what they selfishly want to hear. Opinions abound. Rhetoric is everywhere. It seems like we're drowning in in so much propaganda. It's almost hard to take a breath because we're bombarded so much with this. And there is something, because there's so much of of this information out there, people are stopping trying to think critically. They're stopping looking at both sides and trying to make a decision. They're not looking at things for what would be true. They're pursuing one thing. And this is very important. I want you to hear this. Agreement has replaced truth as our culture's primary demand. I'm going to say that one more time. Agreement has replaced truth as our culture's primary demand. Truth has to be the pursuit of Christ followers. We have to be pursuing the truth. Why? Because if you put aside all of of your biases that you can possibly put aside, all of your prejudices, all of the things that you have formed opinions about through your life and and through hurts and, and people who've mistreated us. If we can look at those things and just put those aside for a second and pursue the truth, not through a filter of hurt, not through a lens of wound, but we can honestly pursue the truth, then my friends, I'm telling you and guaranteeing you, we will land at Jesus. Why? Because his word says he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we're pursuing agreement more than truth, we will never find truth. It's going to be impossible to find it. If we pursue agreement over truth, it will be impossible for us to find. You know, there's a lot of people who, who try to present their opinion, and they've been taught from a ministry context that what they're supposed to do is preach kind of what's in their heart to speak, and they find a scripture to kind of slap on it or slap the God card on an opinion or a viewpoint to try to promote it to us to follow. This is dangerous because what happens is, since so many people are trying to pursue agreement, they find these things that are, that are easy to follow, easy to listen to, easy to hear. But here's the reality. We will be uncomfortable when being challenged by the truth of God's Word. I'm going to say that one more time. We will be uncomfortable when being challenged by the truth of God's Word. I'm not talking about possibly um, feeling, you know, that kind of, that gospel of self-help is what I would refer it to, uh, refer it to as, is, is to say, You know, get out of your comfort zone and go out there and live your dream. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the truth of God's word is presented, it challenges us in our sin. It challenges us in our viewpoints that are not godly. It challenges us to change. 
or it reminds us of when we were challenged to change. And we remember the, the, the strength and the compassion of God's Word and how it leads us to be different and shaped in His image. We will be uncomfortable when being challenged by the truth of God's Word. So the first thing we have to do is ask, are people teaching God's Word? The second thing that, we're gonna, that we need to ask is this. Are people teaching God's Word properly? Are they teaching God's Word properly? 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5 says this. This is Paul talking to um, a young pastor named Timothy, who's um, the leader of a church. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. That could also be the title of this message. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with a social media post. No, no that's not what it says. I'm sorry. Patiently correct and rebuke and encourage your people with a Q&A session on Instagram. No. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming... And I think we're kind of witnessing this a little bit now. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. This one I'm giving to you as a tool, knowing that it's the most difficult of the three. This is the most difficult one to determine if God's word is being presented properly. Why? Because it requires us as believers in Christ not to be ignorant of Scripture as individuals. It requires us as believers in Christ not to be ignorant of Scripture as individuals. When I use this word ignorant, I want to make sure that you hear it correctly. I'm not trying to say if if you're ignorant that you're dumb or stupid, or if I'm ignorant on a subject, I'm dumb or stupid. That's not what I'm trying to convey because that's not the definition of the word. The definition of the word ignorant means I just don't know. It is something someone doesn't know. And for this part of the tool to work, we cannot be ignorant of what Scripture says as individuals. If we are ignorant, we will fall for the teaching that Paul is describing here, the ones that are, that are pursuing things for their itching ears. That word itching means a desire to, to hear something pleasurable. So what he's saying is that they don't want the challenge of Scripture. They don't want that challenge to change. What they want is they're going to look for teachers who will tell them whatever good thing they want to hear. And the fact that they're looking for them means they will find them. If we're not spending time ourselves outside of our church service, Outside of our gathering, our weekly gathering of believers, if we're not spending time in God's Word, we can 
get the idea that God's word is about us. And for a while in my life, I kind of fell into some of that thinking until I opened God's word and dove in myself and found out, actually, it's not about me. The truth is, is that the good news of the gospel begins and ends with Jesus. The good news of the gospel begins and ends with Jesus. If any teaching that we hear encourages us to focus on anything but God, His Son, His Spirit, or His Word, it is rooted in something false. If any teaching that we hear encourages us to focus on anything but God, His Son, His Spirit, and His Word, it is false. Matt, are you saying that if I'm focused on forgiveness, that's not right? No, forgiveness is God's principle. It is a command to us in His Word that would fulfill the requirement. Matt, I want to live right. I want to live in in a way that would please God. And so I'm looking at my actions and and trying to make sure that my actions are lining up with the Word. Yes, that is good because you are lining up with His Word. Let me give you six quick statements to be wary of if you hear these coming in teachings, okay? Let me give you six quick ones. The first one is this, live your best life. (laughs) Number two, God is all about you. Number three, you should spend all your time following your dreams. Number three, or number four, I'm sorry. God wants you to be wealthy. Number four, we're going to discuss spiritual principles for financial prosperity. Number six, let's find scriptures that unlock our abundance mindset. These are just a handful of ones I literally pulled off the top of my head because they're so prevalent in our culture. But these things, if we hear these things, we'll recognize them as they're all focused on me. Live my best life. It's all about me. Follow my dreams. God wants me to be wealthy. Um, Principles for my financial prosperity. Unlock my abundance mindset. How many times did I just say me? The gospel is not about us. It is about Jesus, and that is a good thing. Jesus' entire life was lived for people to be, uh, to be reconciled to God. And as believers, our entire lives should be pointing people to be reconciled with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That should be the basis and core of what we're about as we find in His Word. So, Instead of those six things that I just read that I'm telling you to be wary of, let's change them to a scriptural context and look at the things that we should be looking for. Instead of statements like, live your best life, we should be looking for statements that say, whoever loses their life for Christ will find it, Matthew 16, 25. Instead of hearing, God is all about you, We should listen for God is all about you, repenting and following Him. Acts 3, 19. Instead of giving all your effort to follow your dreams, how about submit your life to God and He will direct your path. Proverbs 3, 6. Instead of God wants you to be wealthy, brother, how about we look for God wants all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. Instead of pursuing spiritual principles for for my financial prosperity, instead we should be looking for spiritual principles 
that tell us to store up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19-21. Instead of looking for scriptures to unlock our abundance mindset, we should be looking at scriptures that show us Jesus, who is the one who unlocks the bondage of sin and destroys the selfish mindset. Galatians 5.1 When people try to use the scripture to validate their opinion and their opinion is the source of the teaching their their own viewpoint and feelings are the source of the teaching and they try to find a, a verse and even if it's out of context and slap it on there it can almost come across as maybe that's kind of true but this is not using god's word properly and when we do that we do something very dangerous i've been guilty of it earlier in my ministry as a younger man i'm sure i've been guilty of this my own self but it's this, that when we, when we do this, when we try to speak from our opinion and put a verse on it to validate it, we attempt to shape the Word of God in my image. We attempt to shape the Word of God in man's image. So the first two things that I want us to look out for is and ask our people, is someone teaching us God's Word? And the second thing is, are they teaching it to us properly? Third and final thing is, do the ones teaching us, do they bear good and godly fruit? Do they bear good and godly fruit? Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now let me take a sidebar right here and say something very important. I'm not telling you, I'm not instructing you, and I'm not leading you as believers in Christ to try to consume things from only people who are perfect. Perfection does not exist. What we need to do is look a little closer and make sure the fruit that's being produced by the lives of those speaking to us is good fruit. We need to get closer. We need to examine. Before we take it in, before we consider it, before we allow it to be in our head and our heart and turn into things that become our actions, we need to look closer and make sure and ask these questions. Is this person, is this teaching producing good fruit. What do I mean by good fruit? Let's start with the basic foundation of Scripture and fruit. Every believer in Christ, including the people who are preaching and teaching God's Word, should be um, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, along with every person in the congregation. All of us as Christ followers should be doing this. We should be bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. 
that is the base level of what we should be looking for. And if the life and the teaching is not producing those things, we need to look at it as it may be suspect. And we should refrain for a moment and say, should I be taking this in to my heart? You know, our job as the... um, Our job as pastors and preachers and teachers is not to give political dissertations. Our job is not to waste time trying to build some earthly utopia because it doesn't exist. Our job is not to filter God's word through the culture or let the culture guide the beliefs or the teaching. Our job is to lead, preach, teach, and protect God's people through God's Word. You know, one of the more vicious things that the enemy tricked my own life with was presenting me something that was false but had a thin layer of truth on it. And since we're talking about eating carefully and all my analogies have been food-based, I won't break the chain and I'll talk about another one. The old picture, I'm sure everybody in the audience has at least seen or heard of an M&M. Not the wrapper, the food, right? Like the the food, like M&M's. They are these chunks of chocolate, and they dip the chunk of chocolate in a thin candy shell, and that's how you taste them before you take the chocolate in. In this analogy, the enemy tricked me, and I bought into some false teaching that was layered with just a little bit of truth. The false teaching would be that, that, that nugget of chocolate and just that little bit of truth. He would disguise something false by taking a little bit of truth, coupling it with it, and trying to serve it to us. I want us as a body of believers not to fall for the trick of the enemy. Not to fall for what Jude and Paul have repeatedly told churches, all the believers, and Timothy. I don't want us to fall for these things. I don't want us to be ignorant of God's Word. I want us to look for the foundation of what we're taught is Scripture and it's properly applied Scripture and it's bearing fruit in the life of the one who's teaching it and the ones who are consuming it. Early on in ministry, I I, I did a lot of this myself. And let me tell you one way how I was really tricked into believing some, some false teaching. One of the ways is I saw the number of people who accepted it. As a younger man in the ministry, I had some questions about some things, you know, that I would see here and there and, and just wanted to, I was ignorant of, I just didn't know and wanted to, to learn some things. And so I would watch the people who were around me and I, I spent time in several different churches in the ministry and, and I would watch them in different places. I would have different questions. And as I, as I got older, these questions didn't go away. They kind of kept bubbling up, and the questions were more along, should we be doing this, or is that what that scripture really means, or is this the way we should be going? And not from a rebellious type of attitude, from a place of real trying to understand. And one of the things that kept me silent, I ignored, I foolishly, foolishly ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my life Because I had not spent enough time myself in His Word. When I saw these false teachings and these slick little sayings that I took as, oh man, that has to be true, I took them as truth because I saw hundreds and sometimes thousands of people 
applaud and identify with and back and support this idea. And I thought, man, this thing that's in my heart is just me being naive. It's just me being a young guy who doesn't know anything, so I need to push these questions down, push these, this, this, this thing that's rising up in me that wants to know if this is the truth. I should just ignore that and learn. And because I did that, I literally spent years going after things that Scripture never told me to pursue. It took me years to find out that I had gone down this incorrect road and I don't want you to experience this same loss. Some of you who might be closer to my age, which is, you know, 27. If you would, everyone laughs at that all the time. Um, some of you might be closer to my age. You have some life experience and you may think, oh man, I've done the same thing. Please, please, please take the experience of someone who's done it wrong and ask yourself if the teaching that you being, you're being presented with, especially in this time where there's so many voices coming at us, is it really God's Word? Is it God's Word presented to us properly? And is it bearing fruit in the life of the one who is presenting it and those who are consuming it? I foolishly thought that when there was a large crowd, a large gathering of people, a large group of people who believed something, that it must be true. I found out the hard way this statement. Success is not found in the agreement of the masses. Success is found in the love, submission, and obedience to Almighty God. What that had to do for me was it had to change my definition of success. It had to change my definition of what was right. It caused me to, to go back to our first analogy, look at what I was consuming and realize, man, some of these things are good, but some of these things in the middle are not what it looks like. I fully realize that I'm giving you and every person who comes to Roots Community Church or watches us online or will ever be here, I'm giving you a tool to run what I say through and I completely 100% acknowledge that and tell you, yes, you should do that. Take the scriptures that are presented to you here on a weekend, take them and go back to the scripture and say, is this what this says? Is this really what's being presented here? And find out do not be ignorant, my friends. Do not just be guilty of not knowing and just, I'll just take whatever's coming in. I go to this place and I'll just take whatever they put out. No, you have to make sure that what you're putting inside of you is the truth. We have to make sure we eat carefully. Today was probably a different kind of message than I've ever presented here for RCC. But it's something I feel compelled to put in your hand as a tool. I want you to use this tool when you're listening to anyone who would preach or teach the gospel to you from this point forward. If you're already doing that, then great, I applaud you. But I'm going to challenge you to put these three questions, at least these three. Use this tool to filter what you're being taught, to pay attention to what's being fed to you, 
and make sure that it's fit for consumption. And we know it's fit for consumption because it's rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's rooted in God's holy word. That's where it's rooted. I also want you to do one more thing. I want you to take this tool and not only apply it to preachers and teachers and those who are, who are giving us God's word, I want you to take and use this filter in a similar way to anything that's hitting us, anything that we're consuming, any media, any conversation, any, anything that we're listening to, any conference that we attend, whatever it is, I want you to take these same tools and apply it to those things. Why? Because when someone's giving us an opinion, we need to make sure it lines up with God's word. When someone's giving us direction and we feel pressured to do something or not to do something, we need to make sure as believers in Christ, we are in accordance with God's word. We have to be careful with what we eat.